You're listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. It's a friendship in our lives. And uh, Jesus said that no greater love that a man would have than he would lay down his life for his friends. And we know that's true about our relationship with Jesus Christ, that he laid his life down for us. And he's given us that porthole, that entry into friendship, a friendship relationship. And so those are ways that I'm thinking about his faithfulness in the last 365 days. And, you know, there's no one else in Scripture, as far as I can see, that really understands this faithfulness of God as, as David, as King David. I mean, you think about the Psalms and all that he's written in the Psalms, and he's talking about God's faithfulness on a, on a continual basis. And for years, the Psalms are, are really like a magnet to my soul this time of year. So when I go into this time of year, I find myself just drifting toward the Psalms. Whatever else I'm reading is wonderful, it's, it's beautiful, it's great, it's God's Word. But the Psalms always get my attention during a time of reflection. Um, I don't know where you go in the Word uh, when you're going through a season like that, but I, I want to go, and I do, and I want to go to the Psalms. And David has this beautiful portion of the Psalms. It's actually chapters 25 through 39 that David and God get real with each other, and they, they have these conversations with each other uh, that sometimes make you cringe. You know, you hear those things that David says to God, and you think, can you say that to God? Can you really do that? Well, yes, you can. You can when you are in a covenant friendship with him. You can say those things. And that's the beauty and the freedom that comes in a covenant friendship with God. And David understands this, and so he takes full advantage of the fact that he knows that God is in it and that he is in it with God. He understands it. And when I read these passages of Scripture, I'm just, again, I'm astounded. These psalms show us the faithful covenant that exists between God and David. It's David saying to God, and you're going to hear this in, in just a moment. It's David saying to God, I know you're not going anywhere, God. I, I know that. And I want you to know I'm not going anywhere. So let's talk. Let's get real. You see, when you are confident of a covenant relationship with God, you're free to get real. You're free to say to God, I don't feel it today, God. Where are you today, God? Why have you left me? Why have you abandoned me? David says that on a regular basis. And we can do the same, and I think it's going to be important for our soul, the health of our soul, our family, our friends, our relationships, that we understand the magnitude as much as we can where we are right now and growing in it, but understanding the magnitude of a covenant relationship. We've spent the last three or four months talking about our identity and how that is birthed out of understanding our covenant with God that we are created in his image, and he's, had a, he's, he's made a covenant with us. He's developing a covenant with us, and that's what gives us confidence once again to walk forward. So this morning what I want to do is I want to look just for a moment at Psalm 26. It's Psalm 26. If you have a Bible, you can open your Bibles there. If not, we have it on the screen. We have Bibles in the building here. You can grab one. Um, if you don't have a Bible, take it. <clears throat> take the one that you pick up from under the chair, it's yours. We want you to have God's word. And so Psalm 26 is really a, a moral and spiritual journal of, of David's life. And I want you to think of it that way. <clears throat> and what journals do is they talk, they're essential 
diaries. Is that's really what they are. And David's talking about his journey with God, and he's writing it down, and he journals this journey. And in Psalm 26, he says this, beginning at verse 1. He says, Vindicate me, Lord, for I have led a blameless life. I have trusted in the Lord and have not faltered. Test me. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. For I have always been mindful of your unfailing love, and I've lived in reliance on your faithfulness. I do not sit with the deceitful, nor do I associate with hypocrites. I abhor the assembly of evil evildoers and refuse to sit with the wicked. <clears throat> I wash my hands in innocence. I go about your altar, Lord, proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of all your wonderful deeds. Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. Do not take away my soul along with sinners, my life with those who are bloodthirsty, in whose hands are wicked schemes, whose right hands are full of bribes. I lead a blameless life, God. Deliver me and be merciful to me. My feet stand on level ground. In the congregation, I will praise the Lord. Yesterday, Annette and I watched a special Netflix presentation, and I, I loved it because it was about a, a baseball icon. His name was Yogi Berra. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, it's, it's, a great, it's a great special. And so because we're both baseball people, we sat down and watched it together. And if you know anything about Yogi Berra's life, he's since passed. But he was one that was full of, and they will call him yogiisms. Uh, Yogi always would come up with some sort of saying that when you listen to it the first time, you'd go, what? What's he saying? And then after a while, you go, oh, <clears throat> that's what he's saying. In my mind, the guy's brilliant. But he would have sayings, and you've probably heard some of these, and they come from Yogi. Yogi said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Yeah, just take it. <laughs> Here's another one. You, you can observe a lot by just watching. Uh, here's one. We've made many wrong mistakes. Yeah, it's kind of a repetition there, isn't it? Um, but his, his most famous, and this is really what the documentary is called, It Ain't Over until it's over, and most of us have heard that. Well, the author, the originator is Yogi Berra, a catcher for the New York Yankees, gives us wisdom in life. And I think about that phrase, and I think about how appropriate that is, especially in our relationship with Jesus Christ, because Scripture, <laughs> scripture comes along and, and tells us just as much. Uh, he says he's not finished with us until the day of Jesus Christ, that he still has a work to do along the way, and that's certainly something that we need to be aware of and get a hold of as we do go into a new year, is that he's not done with you. Uh, he's not finished with you. He has things that he's still about, still working in your life over, and this psalm is about a journey, one of the most difficult kinds of journeys, a journey of integrity, and that's what David is talking about here. If you notice the language, the words that are used here. It's about a journey of, of following the direction that God has for you. Whether you like it or not, you're faithful and obedient to do so. It's a journey that is best described by Yogi. It ain't over till it's over. And so if you've given up on yourself or if you've given up on others around you, then let me say this, it ain't over until it's over. 
God has a plan, and his plan is high above our plans, and his plans are magnificent plans that we cannot even comprehend. So integrity isn't something that we possess. It's not something that we keep forever. Really, integrity is is a calling in our lives. And I want you to think of integrity this way, that it's a journey to integrity. That, that it's something that we don't get all of a sudden, but it's something that develops and grows in our life when we follow God's leadership in our lives. Now, integrity is about how we stay faithful to the covenant that we have with God. And here are some ways that David, in the passage we've just read, at those 12 verses, I just noticed a few things that I thought it'd be good to look at and see what David says to us what's his instruction about this journey uh, of integrity that he journals so well in his life journey and, and the first thing that that comes to mind when we understand when i understand the life of david a little more is that david learned and understood the importance of accepting the raw material god gave him and and what i mean by that is all of us all of us in this room have been given raw material from the day we were born in the imago day you've been given uh, things by god to you and then there have been things that have happened in your life in the formative years your early years of growing up some of those good things some of those bad things but they're your things Uh, it's what you've been given it's it's another uh, phrase that's used use the hand dealt you i mean i think david understands this these are things that that god has given David. There there are things that God has given you, gifting, personality, uh, emotional disposition. All of those things are things that have been given to you by God, and others have either nurtured those things or interfered with those things, but they are what they are. And, And why is that important? It's important to understand what I have. It's important to understand what I'm working with. Every one of us has to write your own story. I can't write your story. You can't write my story. I can't write even my children, my grandchildren's story as much as I want to. I can't write their story. It's it's their story. And that's what makes us unique. That's what makes the relationship you have with God intimate. Because it's detail about your life that he understands and knows. There's details about your life that he's the only one that understands and knows. And so there's this raw material that he's given us and each of us has been given by god some raw material out of which we write our own story you know Uh, i I know there have been times the raw material that god has given me i've uh, i've I've thought well i wished i was someone else i wished i was dealt a better hand i I wished i had more to offer I, i i wish there was more to me than this you know that especially played out in my uh in my sports journey you know i would be playing ball with guys that were 6'2", you know, big brutes that were naturally gifted at athleticism. They were great athletes. And here I am, man. I wasn't gifted with much of anything. But I thought, man, if I was 6'2", I, I, I would knock it out. I'd kill it. But the Lord would always say, you're not. Uh, and that's something that will never change. And the reason I use the height thing there is that will never change. You're seeing what, you, what people saw 60 years ago, you're seeing it right here. It, it hasn't changed. It's, it's the same. And there are things in your life that have been the same since your beginning. They just haven't changed. What are those things? And how do we use those to best bless God? How do we use those to nurture 
the growth of God's Spirit in my life. I know one of the things that I had to learn early on is perseverance and how important it is. Grit, how important grit is. <laughs> uh, how important it is that when you set goals, you don't take time off and take vacations with those goals that you're continually pressing what those goals that God has given you are in your life. Remember that. Just remember that. And so there are things that I have learned that maybe others didn't. You know, there, there, there are things that I've learned that maybe others didn't, didn't need to learn because of their predisposition. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? But these are things that I've had to come alongside and understand in a relationship with God. And one of the hardest things for us to do is to accept the raw material God has given us. It's one of the hardest things. A lot of us spend a lot of our time wishing we were someone else. That we wish we had other things, that we wish we had whatever. You have your laundry list. I mean, I wish I had more money. If I had more money, I'd be better than this. If I had more talent, listen, maybe it ain't going to happen. But God's given you something. And to use that to his glory is a blessing to the kingdom and a blessing to others. We may spend, uh, you know, our time demanding that our lives be different and better, that our parents be wiser, more loving, that our siblings not treat us the way that they did, and then the list goes on and on of all the what-ifs. But the story you're beginning of your beginning is what it is, and with a dose of forgiveness, uh, generous understanding, we can begin to accept the raw material that God has given us, and then we move ahead. We move ahead. And I want to remind you of David's beginning. David's beginning was not a startling, star-studded beginning. When you think about the beginning of David's life, it was everything but. And imagine this was the one who was the ultimate king of Israel. But when you think about all the odds that were stacked against him to get there, it makes my life, it doesn't look like there have been very many challenges. Because when you think about his life and think about his beginning, you think about a father that David had, and David was an afterthought to his father, really was. You think about his brothers. David was the youngest of seven brothers. He was the butt of every joke. And you see it in 1 Samuel 17 in the confrontation with Goliath, what Elah, his older brother, thought of him. And then a king in that same chapter who underestimated him. Imagine what that feels like. You know, some of us can, some of us more than others. An afterthought, the butt of jokes, un underestimated. David had all of those things in a way going against him. And all of us have written some words, some sentences, some paragraphs that, <laughs> that we wish we wouldn't have. And that's really the second thought that I have here. Own the bad chapters that have already been written. Whatever bad chapters you've already written in your life, they've been written. And I think the thing that we're always confronted with, especially, especially in light of God's word, we're confronted with owning that, taking responsibility for that, whatever that might be. All of us have those things in our story, but you can't do that with the story that you have, that you're writing with your life. It's, it's, it's there. You can't ignore those things. You can't just say they never happened because they did happen. We must come to the place where we know God has forgiven us and we've forgiven ourselves. I think redemption is the word of the day when it comes to the paragraphs, the sentences, the story that you 
have in your life of, of the bad things, the difficult things, the hard things, the sinful things in your life. To come to a place, we humbly say what David says in this passage, redeem and be merciful to me. That you can say that. Maybe you need to say it out loud right now. Just say, redeem me and be merciful to me. Say that. Redeem me, Lord, and be merciful to me. That is the best way to confront the bad chapters of life, is to say, Lord, redeem this and be merciful to me. I, 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 need, uh, I need your mercy. By the wonderful and unexplainable grace of the Lord, we can own these bad chapters without being owned by them. Did you hear that? You can own them and not be owned by them. The, the, you're not, they're not your prison. They're not your jail. They're part of your story, and God is using that part of your story to redeem you and to redeem others through that part of your story. Isn't it interesting? I mean, some of the worst things that you've had to deal with in life and you went through and, 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 and the brokenness and the sin and, and fractured relationships, when God gets a hold of it, it's the thing, the story that, that, that you tell the most. Isn't it interesting? I think I've said this before. Um, uh, after Annette and I had gone through our uh, really difficult time 10 years ago, um, I had one of our pastor friends call us and say, hey, we're putting together a retreat of young pastors, a lot of young pastors. Their families are coming together, and I, I want to ask you and Annette to come and share. And I thought, oh, this will be, be fun. I'd love to do that. And he says, with one, ex one exception, you can't tell them anything good. You, I don't want you talking to them about your exploits. I want you to talk to them about your brokenness. That's why I want you to come. I thought, ah, oh, man, I just doubled my honorarium, and I'm going to ask for more money on that one. No, I <laughs> I would do but it is interesting, isn't it? How God has taken those bad chapters and he's redeemed that. He did that, he did that with David as well. He, he took those difficult things that David had gone through and he redeemed what, what God wanted the story to be. God redeemed it. The bad chapters don't need to define you. They've, they've happened in your life. David got a hold of this truth, and the results are this, this psalm, Psalm 26. Colossians 1.14 says it in a more concise way. Paul says it in a, in a brief but powerful way. He says, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin, and I say amen. Amen. And then the third thought through this passage of Scripture is don't modify the realities in your life. <laughs> don't modify them. Um, what I mean by that is, you know, when we go through bad things, we have this inclination to clean up our story, you know, to leave out some parts of the story where we modify, kind of the Reader's Digest version that really looks better than what the real version is. And so we start modifying it. So when it comes to reality, especially reality that I don't like, I try to do a smaller version. Did you ever notice, I was listening to someone talk the other day that I could tell they were just trying to, you know, go away from the truth, the hardship of their own sin, and they kept using the word kind of, you know. Well, it was kind of bad. What is that? Well, I kind of did this. You didn't kind of do it, you did it. But I, I know what that feels like. Uh, we adjust reality to suit our comfort levels, don't we? Mainly because we don't want to 
be troubled and bothered by the reality that intrudes in our thoughts. David modified the reality of his sin with Bathsheba and against her husband Uriah. He did. He modified it. He tried to minimize the sin. He tried to minimize what had happened by stating he was the king and that he could do pretty much whatever he wanted to do. And then he's confronted by the prophet Nathan, <laughs> and that all gets, that all gets blown up. And, and Nathan says, you're the man. You're the sinner. And that's when David confesses his sin. But what David did and what he tried to do up to that point was modify the realities to mitigate the hardships. This is difficult to face because we, we don't often listen to the silent voice of reality in our own hearts. That's the whisper of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to encourage you, especially going into a new year, that you pay attention to the whisper of the Spirit of God in your life. That there are going to be moments in your life that God's not going to yell at you. And here's what's going to happen. Your response may be, oh, he's not yelling at me. It must be okay. I mean, that's kind of some of the signals we get from our parents. Oh, they're not yelling at me. <laughs> I must be okay. They're just talking real quiet. Listen, when my dad got quiet, I knew it was really serious. <laughs> and I thought, wow, this is God. This is God speaking to me. God wants to whisper to you. He wants... He wants you to listen to that silent voice of reality that only the Holy Spirit can bring to your heart. We don't listen to the reality that discomforts us. We don't like that. You know, I'm guilty. I need God's strength to, to go to the truth. What is it? And trust God with it. Trust God with it. Amen. Here it is, God. This is it. And then there's a, a fourth thought here, and it's this. It's keep in touch. Stay in touch with your calling. Would you do that? I can't tell you how important that is for God's people to do. And I'm going to say for me specifically, it's so important that I keep in touch and stay connected to the calling of God in my life. Because without that calling of God in my life, I have no anchor. I'm subject to, to, to the whims of everyone else. I'm subject uh, to the whims of my own inerrant thoughts. But when I am anchored with God's call and God's purpose in my life, uh, the propensity that I have <clears throat> to go straight ahead and walk forward, not turn to the right or to the left, is stronger, greater, and more courageous. What has God called you to? He's called all of you to, to something and to somebody, wherever you are right now. The journey of integrity requires that we stay in touch with what God has called us to. I'm going to talk about this in the beginning of the year, but I'm just going to give you a little glimpse of it now. And, and you've heard me say this, and I'm gonna, I want to say it again, but we've been asked on several occasions, uh, how, how, how did you make this for 35 years? How did you do this at the same place? And our relationship with the Lord might be different than other pastors. It, 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 pro it is, and that's okay. Not all of them are the same. But what we did when we came here was we made a covenant with him. It's different than answering and going and fulfilling an assignment. A covenant's different. Our covenant was this. This church will be the first, the last, and only church we ever pastor in our lives. 
Sorry, folks. <laughs> it's a covenant. It, not every, that doesn't happen to everyone. I'm not saying that everyone that does this has to have that. But I can tell you this. There are a lot of voices that tell you to get out. A lot of voices tell you to do this or that or retire. And I'm saying to folks, I, you can't, you're not making the call. I'm sorry. I'm not even making the call. God is making the call. Talk to him. Because there's times I would be really happy <laughs> to say, whew, get out from under that for a little while. Do you see what I'm saying? It's a joy. But there are times. You understand that in your job. You're just thinking, oh, I'm just tired. But God says, nope. We have a covenant. This is about a covenant. It's about a call that is firm. Every believer has a call, words of promise, a future. And while the foundation of that call is firm, how it's lived out at times will change. Annette and I have really dear friends in ministry right now, and they've pastored different churches over the years and have been fruitful and successful and have done an excellent job. Their call was similar to ours at the same time we were growing up together as pastors, young pastors in Bible college. Their, their expression of the call, their, their life is so much different than our lives. But it's the same call, and that's what we have in common. That's our affinity. That's what keeps our friendship together. That's why we grow together, because we are clear about a call. See, to move forward, you need to be clear about the call of God in your life. I think God moves us. He nudges us. He pushes us in new directions regularly. And that's why we need to keep in touch with God's call in our life. David was called to be king. Think about this. David was called to be king after his father forgot him. He was called to be king by the prophet Samuel as a mouthpiece of God. He's anointed king. Do you know what happens to him after that? This is, this is remarkable to me. Did he go move into the palace, kick out Saul's furniture, say, sorry, Saul, it's me now. I'm moving in. You're, you're yesterday's news. I'm today's news. They're even singing songs about me after I killed a giant. I mean, I got some good PR going. I'm moving in, and I want it now. And I can't tell you how many young leaders feel that way, think that way. I deserve it now. I want it now. Do you know what he does? David spends the next 10 to 15 years after he's anointed king in the fields of Bethlehem in obscurity. You, you think you've doubted your call. Woo! That guy had reason to doubt his call. I mean, he's just hanging out in the fields out there. He's, he, you know, what he was doing, he was trusting God to pull back the curtains of his promotion. He wasn't going to do that. Do you get it? It's not up to me in today's society, the social media platforms. To, to, you don't see me on a lot of that. It's not me. I don't want to pull back the curtains of, of that. The spotlight is in the hands of God, and it's God who puts the spotlight on, on, on people that he wants to put the spotlight on. And then it's up to God to turn that spotlight off, and you trust God with it. Do you know? You know this in, in relationship, in friendship, in, in public ministry. As I, Hey, there are times you are everybody's favorite ice cream, and then you're You're not. And, and you know something changed. You know, what happened? I'm not, in, I'm not everyone's favorite ice cream anymore. Get used to it. 
I love what one of our mentors said to us. He said, you're never as good as people say you are, and you're never as bad as people say you are. You're somewhere usually in the middle. So there is a good place to be mediocre. It's right there. Listen, God has his call on your life, and there are times and places he will test that call. Annette and I felt we were going to pastor someday, but it took 10 years from the time we graduated from college to pastor a church while all my buddies had been pastoring for a long time. And I was thinking, what is happening? Why aren't we doing this? Why isn't it happening? Why isn't it going the, the way that we thought it should go? Well, there were a lot of reasons for that, mainly my immaturity. But the Lord said, I have my time for you. And you wait on me. And when you wait on me, I'll bless you. Don't ever move into a new season of your life without the blessing of God. Don't ever do that. Don't ever be willful or grab it yourself. Don't go after the ring. Refuse the temptation and let God make the way. Let God prepare the way. And when God does that, there is a blessing that comes. I think that everybody who who is called by God needs to take time every week, every month, every year, and now especially, and ask the question, God, what have you been doing in my life? What does my call look like? How have I been serving you this week? And please, listen, listen to this. You, you are called. I, I want you to hear that. It isn't just a pastoral thing. It's a life thing. It's a believer thing. It's, it's a citizen of heaven thing that you're all part of, that all of us have a call, all of us. And we're all wanting to be obedient and engage in that call. You're never too young to exercise that call. You're never too old to live out that call. There is no retirement for those who have been called. It is, there isn't. Keep in touch with a calling daily, weekly, monthly, and through the year. It keeps you in touch with not only your call, but it keeps you in touch with the one who's called you. That's so important. And I'm going to finish with this. It's not even on the outline. I just added it last night. So make sure your story fits into God's story. This is so important because God is writing a story with his life as well. Did you know that God has a story that's unfolding? It's a story with a beginning and a middle and an end like every good story has. The beginning is with God's commitment to the people of Israel. The middle of the story is Jesus and the cross and resurrection is the middle. The end of the story is second coming. He has a story. And I have to keep asking myself, am I fitting into that? Does my story fit into the God story, the bigger story, the story of redemption and salvation? So here's the question. Does my paragraph, does my sentence, does my story contribute to the making of God's story? If, if you knew my story, listen, if you knew my story, would you get a hint? Would you get a, a glimpse of what God's story is all about? Just by watching my life over time, could you say, yeah, that's a God story. Is that your testimony? Is that your story? What do people know about the way you live and your life? And, and, and when they look at your life and the way that you live 
And that's including all the brokenness. That's including the, the stumblings. That's including the failures. It's all of it coming together and saying, God, I always, at the end of the day, like David says, I put my hope and trust in you and I believe in you. Can people see that lived out in my life without me even speaking a word? Do I fit into God's story? What is your story reflecting? What's your story telling others about God's story? So I'm going to ask our, excuse me, I'm going to ask our um, worship team to come back and we're going to take some time in communion and this is how we're going to end our, our, our service in sharing communion together and that when we leave this place, that will be the last thing that you have on your mind and your heart is the communion that, that you shared with your brothers and sisters. But this is, the, this is the way, the attitude that I'm asking us to have this morning when we come to the Lord's table. I don't know if we've ever done it this way, but we're going to do it this way this morning. I mentioned early on that God has a covenant with you. And that you've entered a covenant with him when you accept his son, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior. Did you know communion is just reminding you of the covenant? That when you come to the Lord's table, you're reminding yourself that you are in an irrevocable, eternal, glorious covenant with the God of the heavens and the earth. That's what this is. That's what it is. Because the language Paul even uses is covenant language. And when you come forward today, because covenant language says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. That's the covenant language God has spoken to you. He said to you, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here to stay in your life. So how many times do we get to respond the same way? Communion. Communion is a time where you come. And because of his body and his blood, and the exclamation that he's made at the end of the sentence, I'm not going anywhere, you make that same declaration. When you take the elements today, it's you saying to God, God, I'm going into a new year, and I'm not going anywhere. I will not be moved. The Lord is my shepherd and my strength. God, I'm not going anywhere. I don't have a plan. I don't have a plan C. I don't have an exit strategy. God, I'm not going anywhere. Can you say amen? So when you you're released to worship and we take the elements together, remember what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And listen, listen to this covenant language. For I receive from the Lord what I also passed on to you. That's what covenant does. It has a in perpetuity to it. It has an everlastingness to it. 
the Lord Jesus and the night he was betrayed he took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and he said this is my body which is for you forever do this in remembrance of me forever in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me he's saying I'm not going anywhere I'm here with you as I gave to you my body and my blood and here it is for whenever you eat this bread and drink the cup this is you now you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You respond to the covenant that he's extended to you by saying, I am here, Lord, in that covenant, and I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to proclaim you till the end of the days. That's what I'm going to do. Father, we just thank you today for the wonderful, glorious work that you're doing in our lives. And then we come to this place and we're so thankful. And Lord, we're reassured today of the covenant that you've made with us. That you will never leave us. You'll never forsake us. And you've shown us the reality, the extent, the eternal aspects of the covenant you have made with us through your body and through your blood doesn't get any deeper or more real or more eternal than that. You've laid it all down for us. Let it be in our hearts today when we come to the table and we take the elements that we don't take the elements lightly or casually, but we take the elements as a way of saying back to you, Lord, we're not going anywhere. We're in this. Our obedience is yours. Our hearts are yours. God, we're not going anywhere. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all say together, amen. Amen. Would you stand up? Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbefoursquare.com.